Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Oh, wow. You know what gives you the courage for your life to change? Watching somebody else's life change. And I know there's somebody here today. I just got to start with this. I'm supposed to be starting into my sermon, but there's somebody here who believes that God can't love you and that people can't love you. And that is a lie. And we're going to tear it down today. Come on, a life saved is worth everything. And today I'm talking to somebody here today or somebody watching online. Life saved is worth everything. Anybody know what series we're in right now? Church in the wild. Don't listen to that song. Um, church in the wild is a church for somebody like me. Here's the thing about Church in the Wild. Everybody has a preconceived idea about who church is for. People inside the church, people outside the church. Who is church actually for? Did you know that Jesus also has an opinion about what his church ought to look like? And so if you have a misread on who church is for and how that's supposed to work out, you're going to have a misread on Jesus. Don't you think so? If the church is part of his body and his family. If you have a misread on his family, you're going to have a misread on him and what he really cares about in this world. I'm so excited for the morning services. We good? Sleep's out of our eyes. We're, we're all good to go. Our children's ministry is filling up. I absolutely love that. Uh, if you think that this might be your church, um, we have uh, something called NXT that's happening at, at right at 12 o'clock. We'll feed you lunch. Uh, come on over. Find out what Venue Church is all about. Today is, uh, what is today? The lab? Yeah. Week two. Oh, you got to find out who you are. Oh, Did you know that 75% of people, they don't know their purpose in life. 75% of the people may be in this room because you don't know how God designed you. And until you know how you're designed, you'll never find your purpose. Oh, and if you think you'll find your purpose in your own life, you're also wrong about that. You find life and purpose when you help somebody else find their purpose in life. If you've been looking through your whole life and you've been trying to find it in yourself, I'm gonna challenge you to help somebody else find their purpose. Then God will help you find your purpose. That's how that works. Oh my goodness, NXT. I'm preaching NXT right now. Um, small groups are starting up this week. So if you haven't gotten involved in a small uh, group, you want to check it out, check into the box office, please. I think we have one starting this afternoon, right? The financial freedom one? I shouldn't be plugging your group because everybody knows that Wednesday nights are better. Everybody, everybody knows. <laughs> we have our first ever uh, small group we're doing. We have like 20 plus kids signed up for that. My daughters are leading that. And um, you know what I said to them? I'm like, how many kids did you sign up? Like, we should have done that at Grandpa's. <laughs> anyway, we're doing it at my house, so. <laughs> I want to especially recognize a person who may have grown up in church, or maybe you didn't grow up in church at all, and you're here right now, and you're, you would say, like, I'm, I'm far from God, or I'm at least far from church. And how you view the church, I'm going to specifically say, thank you for having the courage to come. Um, one of my guys invited somebody. They're like, I don't know what to think about church. I just started watching online. That doesn't look like what I thought it was going to be. Well, no. <laughs> um, I'll guarantee that nobody in this room grew up in a church that looked quite like this. And there's a reason why that it looks like this. And you're going to hear about it in this series. Don't you want to know? And so everything we do is very intentionally designed to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what I want to say to that unchurched person, thank you for coming here. You don't have to believe everything that we believe to belong here. And I love that it took you, you know, you have to walk through the doors for the first time. It turns out we're pretty friendly. But thank you for coming and and checking it out. Watch us through the fall and see if we're authentic. See if we're real. Like Pastor Ken preached last week. How would you describe, or how would somebody else in your life describe your um, obsession level when you lose your car keys? When you lose something 
and you can't find it, what do you do? What do you do when you're just like, I just set this thing down, and I can't find it anymore? What's your obsession level? My team knows exactly where this is going. Now, Pastor Aaron's not here, and I'm going to tell the story about Pastor Aaron. I've asked her if I can tell the story. Because God feels a certain way about something. You have to understand his obsession level about something, or you're never really going to have an accurate understanding of God. And I'm going to challenge you that if you've been in church for 30 years, you probably have a misread on how God thinks about church. Every church naturally turns inward, and it's my job as your pastor to turn it back outwards. So every church eventually starts thinking that church is all about them, sitting on the inside, safe and sound. And Am I giving away the punchline today? But here's the deal. What if God doesn't think that way about you and about the people who are already found? What's your obsession level like? Was anybody around two weeks ago when Pastor Aaron lost her laptop? (laughs) Pastor Aaron has this uh, obsession. She can go zero to 60 to crazy town when she lost something and she had gone into this place and we had a new family venue over at our place and I was like, hey, Aaron, like, we should be talking to the new people, right? And she's like, but my laptop. And she had immediately spun it into this whole area where it's like, but then I'll have to change all our banking information if somebody stole it. Now, it was at the theater here and I'm like, nobody stole your dang laptop. Just relax a little bit. I'm gonna have to change all the banking information. And I'm like, what if somebody hacks the White House with my laptop? And- <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that. I just made that up. But I'm just like, you know, you know how it is when you, I don't know. Do you know? Does anybody know somebody who gets a little crazy when you lose something? Yeah, if it's but the person sitting beside you, don't raise your hand. No, I was like, no, I don't know anybody like that. Do you know anybody like that? No, totally not. Well, this is not new for Pastor Aaron. When, when Aaron and I met, I think our first actual date, I took her to a football game. That wasn't really a date. That was kind of awkward because I asked her friend first and she said no. And then Aaron said yes. And so she just found out about that last year and was like, you asked me, what? Oh, I'm like, I didn't, that didn't come up before? I, oh, <laughs> my bad. If you, if you live with me, <laughs> you don't have to feel about, uh, bad about sticking your foot in your mouth because I only take one out to get the other one in there. And so, so I think in our first actual date, I show up at her place to, to pick her up. Now, she lived with uh, four girls in Calgary at the time in like a, a duplex in a house there. And so I show up and I'm standing in the front entry and there's nobody there but her. And she comes by and I think we, I can't remember what else we did. I think we went to watch a movie or something. I can't really remember, but, but uh, mostly because this is all that I remember. I stand, I'm standing in the front entry, right? And this is like, you remember how, you know, you, you, if you're married, you remember how it was when you first started dating somebody? You got your like, your best face on, right? Yeah. yeah. You all dressed up nice. You got your best face on. You're on your best behavior. Then you get married and you just let it all go because, I mean, the fish is in the boat and you're good. And so, <laughs> not, not advisable. I'm not saying that's a good thing. So this is like our first date and she's like, hey, I'll be right there. I just need to find a pair, a pair of boots that I, I'm looking for. Now, Aaron, um, they've been since thrown in the garbage or someplace, but uh, she had this pair of army boots. This old, ugly ratty pair of army boots that were her favorite things to wear. And she had in her head that I'm going to wear these boots out on this first date with this amazing hot guy. I'm just putting a little words in her mouth. This amazing guy. Um, and so she's like, I'll be right back. And then she turned around and walked away. And so everybody knows that I'm, I'm quite patient. And so I'm like, okay. And, but you know, I don't really know her. I'm trying to impress her with my patience. And so she goes away. And then I hear her like walking around the house looking 
looking for these boots. And then I, I hear her start going into the bedrooms looking for her boots. Now, about 30 seconds in, I know this now. I didn't know this then. The things I wish I knew. About 30 seconds in, she realized that her roommate Heidi had taken the boots. But she thought, if there's a chance that they're there, I really want to wear these boots. And so she started looking around the house. And it started getting more and more frenzied. And um, five minutes goes by. Every time she's past the, the entry, she's like, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. I'll just, I'll be right out. I'm like, okay, five minutes goes by. Anybody think it was like, it went longer? <laughs> 10 minutes goes by. Wow. This is Corey now. I'm all like a pastor now. I wasn't a pastor then. <laughs> 10 minutes goes by. 15 minutes goes by. Every time she's passed, I'll be right there. And the sound going through the house is getting crazier and crazier. Like, mutter, mutter, mutter. Roommates are my boots in. She's going through all their rooms. Like, and I've seen her go into a clean room and tear it apart looking for one thing. And it looks like there was like a homicide by battering ram in there or something. And all the bodies are gone. And you walk in and are like, what happened? Well, I lost something. And she starts going through the house. 20 minutes. 20 minutes for somebody like me is like an eternity. Stab me in the eyes with something. I can't do this anymore. 25 minutes. 30 minutes? Hallelujah. 35 minutes. Oh, no, we're not done. 40 minutes. 45. 50 minutes. 55. First date. One hour goes past. And I lost my Holy Spirit. I just hollered. I don't know where she was. I just hollered, hey, can we just get in the dang car? I'll buy you a new pair of boots. <laughs> this is not worth a hundred bucks right now. And we're still married, man. What God can do in a life, I'm telling you. That was our first date. The best behavior right there. But for the grace of God. Now, if you think that she goes crazy when she's lost a pair of boots or her laptop. One time I went, for, uh, I went to the car wash and I got a call on the way back from the car wash. I can't find Katie. I'm like, oh, Lord in heaven. I can't find Katie. I've been looking all over for Katie. Anybody lose a kid? Don't put your hand up. I lost Katie one time in Ikea, but I didn't know that I had lost Katie. And so it wasn't so bad. I heard this like code 99 in the children and I'm like somebody screwed up and lost a kid is what happened. And then I see Katie flanked by a bunch of Ikea staff and I'm like, Katie, yeah, I have a girl that looks like that. But we like lost her, lost her this time. She's like, I've been all over. I can't find her. I don't know what to do. Been all over the block. She's not at grandma's house. Uh, our church was right there. She's like, she's not at the church. I don't know where she is. And I come back and I'm like, I'm praying for reals now, right? And I drive into the parking lot. We can't find her. We're looking all over. We can't find her. And time starts. Five minutes goes by. Ten minutes goes by. Twenty minutes. We can't find her. We can't find her. We can't find her. We can't find her. Finally, our church secretary saw a little head pop up in the back of the truck that I had driven to the car wash. <laughs> she's sitting in the back of the truck, and she heard me, Aaron, call me in a panic because she can't find Katie. And she's like, what to do? <laughs> Just play dead in the back of the truck. <laughs> And his little head pops up. She probably got hungry. <laughs> you know, it's funny. If you've ever lost a kid somewhere, this wash of relief comes over me. 
And I want to murder her, but not right now. <laughs> I just want to hold her and be like, baby. I'm just, so, wow. But you know, one thing that we never did, I didn't go home that day and say to Aaron, you know what? After 15 minutes, you know what? We still got three kids. 75%, that's a pretty good number. Why don't we take all the love and affection that Katie would have got and put it into the other three who are safe and sound? Now, I don't know where the other three were at the time. And I can't remember. Why? Because when you've lost one, that's all that you can think about. That's all that matters. When you lose that one, that's the only one that you can think about. Listen, and the other kids had each other, and they were safe and sound in the house. And whatever dangers they were facing were not the same as the dangers of the one that was out there by themselves. And I never went back, and my wife would have, you want to talk about homicide with a battering ram. If I'd have gone back and be like, hey, we're good, man. We got, we got enough kids. We're, we're okay. We're good. We're just like, we'll get a dog and name her Katie. There's something about God that you need to know. And I don't know if you grew up in church, and I don't know if you didn't grow up in church. I don't know if you grew up far from God. I don't know if you think that you've been close to God your whole life. You probably haven't. But there's something about God and the way that he thinks about people that you need to understand about him. The lost one, the lost one. There's something about Venue Church that you need to understand. We have this obsession and we're going to be right up front. In NXT, we'll tell you straight up front, we're, we're obsessed about something. And if you don't understand that about us, and you don't let that God work that into your heart, so six months will go by, and a year will go by, and something about us will start to annoy you, because it'll seem like we're sort of preoccupied with something, and we are. Yeah. We think that we're preoccupied with what preoccupies Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, we see this account of Jesus, and the story that he tells to let you in on what he feels. His obsession level when he's lost something. It says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This is very interesting, if I could just stop this. All of these people came to Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't preach an easy message. And we don't preach an easy message at, at Venue Church. His message to the sinner was always repent. Your sins are separating you from God. They need to stop. You need to turn around, do a 180 degree in the other direction. Come to me so that I can forgive your sins. That's what the gospel of Jesus is. You can never earn your way into heaven because your sins are a problem. And for every sin committed, it separates you from a holy God. So Jesus came down to die on a cross for you to shed his own blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no doing away with sins. There is no covering of sins. And so, so his message to them was repent. Now he's talking to a bunch of sinners who are... Enjoying sin. Anybody know that sin is kind of fun? For reals, Venue Church. If it's not fun, you're not doing it right. No, no, it is fun. It is fun. That's the hook of the devil, right? It's fun for, for a few minutes, for a few months. It's fun, it's fun, but the rent always comes due. And Jesus is talking to these people, and his message to them was like, hard, repent, turn your life around, man. This has got to stop. You need a connection with God. If you don't have one in this life, you don't have one in the next life. And it's all of eternity. Like, we, I want you connected with God. And so his message to these people was hard, and yet they loved coming to hear him. There were nothing like him, but they liked him. Now, I don't know the church that you grew up in, if you were lucky enough to grow up in a church, but did people from the outside look in at you and say, you know what, You're, we're nothing alike, but I like you. Oh, it hurts my feelings when you tell me to repent, but I, there's something about you that I find hope in, that I find joy. I like that about you. 
And he's down hanging out with these people. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even, oh my goodness, eating with them. Now, what's a Pharisee? A Pharisee um, was like a church leader or like pastors of their day, teachers, Bible college professors. And so these people were looking in at Jesus hanging out with a bunch of sinners, and they're like, this is all improper because they had in their minds at the time, it was like any hanging out with unholiness taints what's holy. Which means we don't associate with them because they would make us unholy. Now, look, if you're just giving up alcohol, don't go to the bar and witness to your friends. It's a bad place for you to go. But what I'm saying is, they have this idea that that's how powerful sin was, was to make me unholy with any contact with sin. And Jesus is down here like, yeah, yeah, but my holiness actually starts cleansing them here. And somebody's here like, you don't know what I've done, you don't know, okay, Jesus has already forgiven it. He's just waiting for you to ask, humble your heart and ask him to save you. That's it. So all the excuses you've built up in your head didn't come from him, they came from you or your dad, or your mom, or whatever that looks like. And so, so here's what happens when you come into church culture. And some of you grew up in church cultures that got this completely wrong. And I'm sorry, on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. It should never have looked like this. But what happens is you come in, and if it's your first time here today, you'll notice like, hey, we got worship. We got the preaching of the word. It's like, it's food for your soul, right? So you come in, you sit down in the restaurant. Hey, we got this. It's on us. You come in, you sit down. Hey, we'll serve you up some worship here. Let's feel close to God. Let, let, God, let God speak his word into your life to start fixing you up, start cleaning you out. It's on us. It's on us. Okay? The sacrifice of Jesus is on him. And so you come in and you sit down and you eat. But what happens is a Pharisee or somebody who gets really religious but in the bad sense of religion, what happens is they start sitting in church. And then, see, after you come a couple of times, you're actually supposed to, supposed to start thinking about like, oh, well, who pays for all this? Oh, uh, then you see somebody else come in, and they're hungry, too. Well, who, who should start? And a Pharisee, or a person caught in man-made religion, they still think they're the customer. And they forget that they're the waiters, and they're sitting down hoping that somebody serves them and feeds them. And what happens is, they get all religious and fat. Because they're not up and working anymore. So they feed me, feed me, feed me, Pastor. You ever hear this, like, well, my, my pastor's not feeding me anymore. I can't feed you enough if all you're eating is once a week. You're not feeding me anymore. Do you, uh, sorry, do you ever open your Bible and pray? Like during the week, or you just come on Sunday? All I'm doing is giving you, like, energy bars right now. Uh, when God cleans you up, health is for helping. Not just for you, so you can have a happy life. Yeah, that's great. We'll have a party in heaven. <laughs> we'll have a party for you in heaven. We're all going to be there. It'll be happy. But there's somebody who needs the love of Jesus that you know. And you're the only contact that they've got. And a Pharisee has simply forgotten that they were supposed to be waiting tables, and they're sitting down, and they're the customer. Have you ever gone to a church like that, that everybody sitting there thinks the church is about them? Hmm. Hmm. I'm hurting all your feelings. So Jesus told them, told who? Told everybody this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Yes. 
Clark says, it isn't strange that a sheep would be lost. <laughs> Look, nobody here, if you're like lost in sin, nobody's like, you know your tendencies. You know how easy it is. No creature strays more easily than a sheep. None is more heedless and none so incapable of finding its way back to the flock. When once gone astray, it will bleat for the flock and still run on in an opposite direction to the place where the flock is. This I have often noticed. I was a shepherd for like one day in the, in the summer when I was a kid. Sheep are the dumbest animals. It's not just that they're dumb, they're fast and dumb. Just like you. You can get tempted to something and like five minutes later, you're an addict. You're binge watching Netflix and you're an addict to that show. Why? God compares us to sheep and you think to yourself, oh, it's because they're so nice and so tender. And like, no, they're stupid. They're idiots. That's what they, they're just fast idiots. They're kind of soft sometimes, but then they get all full of mud and oh my goodness. I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you the story. It's interesting here, but, but up till this time, there was a, a lot of thought in the Jewish faith at the time that, that you went looking for God, but here Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. You can search for God all you want, but it, the problem, here's the issue, is that God is actually searching for you. God is out looking for you. You can't find him if he's not looking for you. It's not about what you can do to get to heaven and what you do, do to find, no, 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 no. If God wasn't looking for you, you would never be found. And when he has found it, Jesus says, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. You know what he doesn't do? Bad sheep. You know what I didn't do when I opened that door? Bad Katie. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I think. Just wrap her up. Like, Come on, I'm so glad you're okay. I'm so glad you're okay. Okay, okay. We'll talk about it. I'm not talking about it right. I'm just glad you're safe. I'm just, thank God. Thank God you answered my prayer. My daughter's okay. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it says that the shepherd here, he just wraps that sheep up and like carries it home on his shoulders. Carries it home. Some of you are thinking, like, I can't get through my life. Yeah, that's because God was supposed to be carrying you through your life. I don't mean you're not going to have to work hard. I just mean, like, you're trying to do it. And God's like, no, 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 let me carry you. You know what I said? Let the church family carry you. I don't mean, like, carry you and just feed you and feed you and feed you. I mean, like, carry you. It's okay. You don't have to have it all together when you're a son of the living God, when you're a daughter of the living. You don't have to have it all together. He's got it all together. That's the point. I mean, you're a disaster. You got here with pants on? Good for you. But let's remember who does the heavy lifting in the universe. It is Jesus Christ. It is the Father of the living God. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in, in where? In heaven. In heaven. More joy in the sheepfold There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. More joy where? There's only more joy in the sheepfold, maybe, if the sheepfold reflects the heart of heaven. But not every sheepfold does. And sometimes at our church, we don't. There's more joy over one lost person getting found in heaven, in heaven. I'm just kind of curious. Think about the crowd that he's talking to. The Pharisees or the church people, they'd been in this game for so long that they actually had got to this place where they thought that they probably couldn't sin. So righteous were they and so acceptable to God. But Jesus says that even our, our, 
all the good things that we can do are still kind of like filthy rags in the sight of God. You can't buy your way to heaven. Here's the thing. When, When you come to God, you have to wrestle with this concept and this thought. I know that you want to feel needed, but he doesn't need you to be more God than he is. So your relationship with him can't start with what you bring to the table because you have nothing to bring to the table. God is looking at you and is like, oh my goodness. Jerry, you can play a guitar? That's amazing. I super need somebody who can play guitar because I don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> you can sing? Oh, that's amazing. You can do? Oh, that's amazing. You can preach? Oh, that's amazing. I don't know how to preach. The whole basis of God's love for you will make no sense for you whatsoever because you would never do what he did to save you. He took somebody who was already perfect in Jesus and sent him to die for his sinners. He took what was best and threw it in the mud so that you could come in. There's only one motivation. His deep and enduring love for you. He didn't die for the whole human race. He died for you. He came to die for You, to connect you with God, to adopt you into the family of God. Just because he loves you, and he could. And there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that gets, one lost person that gets saved and brought back. One person person who strayed away, maybe grew up in the faith and then left God and went after your own thing. there's, there's more joy in heaven over you if you come back than over everybody else who's still safe over here. And now we're stuck in this place here. Like, where's the church in all of this here? I wonder sometimes if, if the 99, I just wonder, 99 dealing with the 99 problems. Hey, somebody sat in my seat at church. Your seat. Somebody sat looking for hope in your seat. I heard a pastor one time, there are all these people coming in off the street and getting saved and he, his people were getting all mad because the carpet was getting all dirty. Yeah. So they showed up for church one day and all the carpet was gone. It's like, there, we don't want to have to fight about carpet. A life saved is worth everything. That's Venue Church's motto. A life saved is worth every drop of my blood, every last ounce of anything that I've got. One life is worth everything. You have to understand that we're like that, not because we're amazing, but because our life was worth that. Because when Jesus looked down on us, he thought that I was worth that. And he paid it all. How could I do anything less than what he did for me? A life saved is worth everything. And we say it like this, that that venue will never really make sense to you. And God will never really make sense to you. Until you're the lost one and you remember what it felt like. It will never make sense to you, our church, until it's your brother sitting beside you in desperate need of a savior. Your sister, your mom, your dad. Somebody you never thought you would get here. It will never make sense to you until that moment because we don't have a lot of those moments. And sometimes, if you showed up here, sometimes it's a 15-year Sunday. And what I mean is like, your grandma been praying for you for 15 years and we've got one Sunday with you. We got one chance to connect you with God and all we want you to do is come back next week. We can't get you everything this week, I just want you to come back. I just want you to come back, and then I just want you to come back one more week after that. I just want you to start getting Jesus in your heart a little bit, and then one day I want you to meet him. And all the hang-ups that you have about him will disappear because you just haven't met him yet. You can think anything you want to about God because of your daddy, because of anything that you can read on Facebook. Oh, Lord, and heaven help us. But when you meet him, it all changes. 
How can you hate somebody who loves you so desperately and so deeply? But you don't understand that yet. And, and, and when your brother is sitting with you here, then it will all make sense. Why you play hip-hop? Well, I don't know. Maybe he likes hip-hop. I'll do. What would Jesus do to find the one, the lost? What did he do to find you? We, um, at my dad's church, I went to a great church growing up. Some of the launch team came from there. (laughs) Then we closed it down. (laughs) That's a funny story. You glad we came? The, um, we had the audacity there to shift some things in the church and I had a church family there who was just super unhappy with what we were doing and they sent us a two-page email church people problems God, God's like I got 99 problems alright oh three people alright don't listen to that song I had 99 problems and I had one of those from the 99 problems send me an email it was like two pages long, and I can't quite remember all the numbers here, but I think it was this 16 out of 18 sentences. I read through it. 16 out of 18 sentences were like, I don't like, we don't like, me, 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 me. And the only time that it wasn't me, me, me was like you. And we don't like what you did about this. And we don't like that you would have the audacity to, and we don't like you. Why does everybody like Aaron so much? I just. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm an okay guy. It's funny, though, that that day that I was reading that email, I printed it out and looked at it because I wanted it to hurt me a bit. I read through it, and I'm like, well, there's the problem. We don't want the same thing. And Jesse Fair, who's our youth leader and the head of creative here, walked into my office. Just give me a minute. He grew up in church, and then he fell away from God, and his heart was hard, and it was angry, and I asked if I could talk about this, and his heart was right there. He's normally in the back working, but how'd you get a day off? <laughs> and he was sitting there and I could see him sitting there in church every week his heart hard his arms crossed man he'd cross his eyes if he could figure it out <laughs> man he was angry he was angry at God he was you know he was in the blame every, anybody in the blame cycle like every problem in your life is somebody else's fault and he's in that locked in right and the changes we were making were starting to shift and we're getting, letting the Holy Spirit back into the church you know letting the Holy Spirit get, reach out and get that lost one that lost one that one that needs to come home and he's sitting there but he wasn't one of us and, and he comes into my office that day and gives his life back to Jesus Christ during that decision while I'm reading that yeah. and I made a decision that day I will never again make a decision that makes this person happy if it costs us that person right. Never again will I be the one who's like, hey, your preferences? Oh, you don't like what? You don't like what? Do you know what they said in that email? It looks different than it did 10 years ago. The church did. And I'm like, your family looks different than it did 10 years ago because you adopted two little kids from the streets of Ethiopia. And what a shame it would be if the older brother and sister were like, you know what, this family's not what it used to be because now I've got to share mom and dad with these kids. Yeah. yeah, the church looks different than it did last month. It ought to. We're adopting people and they're a mess. Man, people need unwinding from their sins. People need the life of God breathed into them. I don't have the time to, to sit there and, and deal with church people problems all the time. Somebody sit in my seat, Pastor. I don't care. Let me tear the seat out for you. There, let's not argue. You want to stand? You like standing? 
Oz, we need your seat. <laughs> I need somebody to sit right in the front row and just hear the gospel message. I just, I need it sometimes. Listen, listen. There is something that God wants to shift inside of your heart. I know this is a hard term, but I want you to know straight up who Venue Church is for. It was for you before you got here. Yes. It is for the person who's not even here yet. Because that is who Jesus came to. Now listen, church can be a little about you, but in finding them, God will help you find you. You can't do it any other way. In finding them and helping them find their purpose, God will help you find your purpose in this life. God will clean you up. Why? Because he doesn't want his servants to be all screwed up forever. He wants you to be healed and healthy and whole. But he wants you to be healed and healthy and whole, not so you can sit here and eat more. Not so you can, he wants you to go out and get involved in your community. Get your kids into places where they're not like just church people everywhere. Invite people to church. That same Jesse invited somebody in his apartment to, I don't know if you're here or not today, but hey, welcome to church if you are. He's like, I don't know what to think about church. I, I, I don't know. I've never been to church. Start watching online. That's awesome. For every life that gets saved and for your life, there's this ripple effect that goes out in the world when you remember your mission. There's this ripple effect here. But you know what happens here, and this is what I want for you right now, is, is that sometimes the lost person It's kind of a shame that we're lost. Remember feeling like that? See, my daughter Katie, when I was driving back and Aaron was on the phone, I remember putting the phone down and I think the Holy Spirit must have moved me because I wasn't, I had no idea that. And I said out loud, Katie, you're not in here, are you? I would never think, no, nobody's ever stowed away in my vehicle before. I would never think that. But I said that and I remember that after she had been found and I think that that's, what God is saying to somebody here today. You're not in here, are you? Are you in the building? Are you, are you here today? But because she was so ashamed of what she had done and she knew that she was in trouble, she misunderstood our hearts towards her. Look, we don't care what you've done and Jesus doesn't care what you've done. He's made provision for it. A sinning life and sin is not the problem. It's already been taken care of on the cross. Just come home. Just come home. The adoption papers are signed. Just come home today. Maybe come back today if that's you. And for the rest of us, what I want to ask you to do is, would you actually go where Jesus is this week? If there's one lost person out there, there shouldn't be 99 people and 99 sheep in the sheepfold. You know the safest place to be? Where Jesus is out there. 99 problems, 99 helpers. Now, you can sit there safe and sound in the home and find something to complain about, or you can be out there looking for the lost one and bringing the lost one in and starting to realize, oh, this is how I get unwound. This is what church was supposed to be all about. It can be a little about us, but not a lot. It's got to be about the people who aren't here yet. The city of Edry, there's thousands and tens of thousands of people who don't go to church, don't know God at all. And you need to know that we're preoccupied with that. I want you to get better and I want you to get healed, but I want them to get what you got to. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we, we ask right now, Father, for a shift in our hearts. I pray that you would bring hope to the lost ones, seeing Scott's baptism video and seeing the lives that have been changed right here, that if you can get to us, you can get to anybody. And there's no sin that's bad, so bad that you can't save us and you can't forgive us and you can't heal us. And I pray for a change of heart for that lost person today just to come home to to break down our pride and to come home, to stay afterwards 
and just come up to the prayer corner here and let everybody else filter out and just come up here, Father, and spend a little moment with you. I pray, Father, to give their lives back. If that's you, you need to stay here afterwards and our prayer team will just hear your story and pray for you. If you want to accept Jesus or come back to God, today's the day. Don't let this go on anymore. You hear that voice in the car. Father, I feel like your voice is saying, are you in the, are you in the room? Are you in the building? It's time today. Just, just pop your head. It's, it's okay. It's time. I've already forgiven you. I love you. I don't need to talk about the past. I just want to bring you into the future right now. And I pray, Father, for the courage for that. And I pray for the 99. I pray that you would give us the courage in the heart of Jesus Christ to understand that we get unwrapped when we go and help unwrap somebody else. I pray, Father, that Venue Church would always be that church that is looking for that lost one that reflects the heart of Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for the power of God this week as we go out into our communities, we go out into the city of Airdrie where we work, where we play Father that we would go out into the city of Airdrie, Father, and just be just witnesses to you, Lord. Not preaching all the time, just witnesses. Just say, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, wow, that sounds hard. I'm going to be thinking about you and praying for you. Hey, you want to come to venue? I just pray, Heavenly Father, we would have that courage today that you would start meeting us as we start going out and meeting the people in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.